We're back. We're back. No, no, no. This is actually the start now. We're going to start it this way. Uh, we're back. Uh, no, uh, this is no cartridge audio, and this is actually a, uh, a the birth of a new uh, series that I was thinking of doing, and I I thought I would have it with uh, with the man who I stole it from himself. Uh, I'm here with Mr. David Roth, um, formerly of Deadspin, now of Undeadspin, uh, uh, and um, uh, everywhere else on the internet. David, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. Um, uh, first off, before I introduce this whole series, what are, what do you? Uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? I know people have seen your work all over the place. Have you been? Uh, have you been living that writerly life? That's incredible, man. I had forgotten how great freelancing is and how great it is for me personally. <laughs> Because I have a whole bunch of, you know, I got kind of a, I don't want to brag, it's it's a mood disorder with a bunch of other little mood disorders in it. Oh, baby. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's like a, it's like an appetizer sampler, or meses. <laughs> and I, uh, freelancing has really, it's just a little bit of extra smoked paprika on every single little dish on that selection, which is great. Uh, constantly uh, being anxious about yeah. different deadlines. Oh, and I was about to say. Yeah, and if you don't, uh, if you're not working, then you don't make any money. But if you're working all the time, then you're working all the time. I love that shit. So it's been good, uh, and I hope to keep it going until I die. All right. Well, no, I mean, uh, no, no notes of any sort of uh, sarcasm or no. uh, or. <laughs> it's honestly, it's weird. Like I don't like it, but I kind of do like it. That's the problem. Is that like it's it's fun to write for different places and to write about different things. You know, like I have hardly written about sports since. I left Deadspin, like, it's been, you know, like, that fun sort of version of freelancing. It's just, it's no, tough. No, like, you to write about the Giants. No, yeah, I mean, that's the part of it that's, like, really gratifying, right, is that I don't have to, I mean, I hold choose to second, think of. Hold on a second, Go ahead. Oh, cool. You found that? It's just play money. It is, yeah. Can you close the door, <laughs> Thanks. Lula keeps coming in. Okay, we're back. <laughs> so is that real money or just play money? It was just play money. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was. It was just play money. I, I I said it was play money, and then I took it and pocketed it. Um, $50 bill. It's mine now. Nice. Uh, yeah. She it's a valuable it. lesson, Tilly. Don't, don't ever tell anyone you found any money. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah, I don't um, have to think about Daniel Jones. I choose to think about Daniel Jones, but I don't have to do it. Awful. I, I can't believe no one's tasked you with writing the uh, postmortem on Eli Manning at this point, and now that he's retired. I feel like I probably could do that if I if I wanted to pitch it. I saw that he retired with a 117 and 117 record. It's so which, good. There's nothing I could write that's better than that. It's I, I saw like one of the one of the Eagles sites I go to a lot said like man who lost his last twenty of twenty four games against the Eagles retires. I was like that's <laughs> so grim. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely that's, dark. It is, but that's like uh, you know, it, it's it's factual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny with, with Eli, like I mean he gave me two of the the happiest football experiences of my life. Sure. And yet like I never thought he was good. Like I never believed in him ever. And I always, I always feel like I believed Eli Manning would. I always thought the Giants would lose against the Eagles until they were playing, and then I was convinced they would win. And mm-hmm. I feel like part of that was Eli, but then just watching him play sometimes was just. I, I always thought to myself, like, I can't imagine being a fan of this guy. It must be painful. It is, uh, and it was. I, it's weird. Like the last five years, maybe, were kind of unfair to him. 
like, I mean, he's the guy that decided to keep playing. It's like saying that, like, Derek Jeter staying at shortstop, like, it really did push his numbers down, but, like, he demanded to stay at shortstop, you know? Right, like, yeah. And the thing with, with Eli, I guess, in terms of, like, him being the starter and then the team, like, continually just, like, committing and recommitting to him and we're doing one last run and... You know, he actually showed some moments last year. If you remember week 14, he completed three passes in a row. So we think he should be our starter again for the next two years. He almost, like, he almost, uh, he almost beat the Eagles on, uh, on the week that they really needed to beat him. The first half, it looked like it was vintage Manning, and he was just going to light him up. And then so the I second thought, half was sure. just vintage Manning. Yeah, the second <laughs> half was also vintage. It was, he, it was a 1-1 start, basically. Yeah. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was perfect 500 ball. But... Um, yeah, no, I thought he was going to have a, another season, too. I was shocked that he retired. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's a question of whether you want to, if you're him, if you want to, like, just wear a baseball cap and, like, stand on the sidelines near Tom Coughlin for another year or two. And I can definitely see why you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Coughlin as, as famously over, smells overpoweringly of vinegar at all times. Is that true? Uh, no, I just feel like that would be true. I mean, on, I only ask because it sounds like literally something that could be very, very true. <laughs> that was something that Jeff Johnson and I, when we would do our uh, NFL stuff for the All and for the G- and for GQ like a mm-hmm. million years ago, that was one of our delights was just because Coughlin's always chewing gum, was just coming up with oh. different flavors of gum <laughs> that he would be chewing. And the one that I finally settled on was just unflavored. <laughs> it's just it tasted like the sap that came out of a tree, and he would just chew it vigorously because otherwise his anger would get the best of him. Isn't that like what's that gum? It's not tea berry. There's a gum that kind of oh I can't remember. It's like one of those like very old fashioned unpopular gums that you sometimes find in like a uh, oh I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the, they're sticks. Yeah, it's a stick, and it's like a maroon package or something. Um, yeah, it might be tea berry. It, it sounds like it. There is one where it's just kind of like old-fashioned. Like, it doesn't <laughs> taste like anything. It tastes like old America. And it's just it's <laughs> like... Mostly discontinued in 1910 and brought back its boutique brand. Yeah. Like, I this have, is I what see, I used to love as a child. One of the most unexpectedly uh, vigorous roastings that I've gotten from a friend was when I impulse bought some Big Red. <laughs> <laughs> like, three years ago. He's like, oh, cool. Did you see you like the video where they're all kite surfing? And that was like the whole thing. So you decided that it because it lasts longer. And I was like, I guess I actually do deserve to be owned for buying buying Big Big Red Red in 2016. Big Red was like, I I was going to make fun of Juicy Fruit then. But like I realized Juicy Fruit sold all over the place. Like I remember when I was a kid, Juicy Fruit and Big Red were the the two you could get. And like I guess tried it. But like. Juicy Fruit and Big Red ruled the the scene, and Juicy Fruit outlasted Big Red in the quietest possible way. Yeah, which is weird, because they're, I mean, both their brands, it was, I remember as a kid, it was, like, one of the first, I think, times of really being, like, not suspicious of advertising, because I don't think I was really at that level, mm-hmm, but where sure. I was kind of like, it seems weird that this gum is also a lifestyle brand, because it's 25 cents. Right, right. But, like, Juicy Fruit was always just, like, hot, young people. Like, they're like, before we do any cliff diving, I think everybody needs to stick up with some juicy fruit right now. I, I think I felt I felt that way about um, about Mentos. Like, I was always, and I mean, that's the other obvious one, but, like, I always was like, and people seem really happy eating all these Mentos. Like, what's the yeah. big deal? And then when I, well, when I finally had Mentos. And, like, also kind of weirdly European. Yeah. Southern <laughs> European. It seems like Swedish. When, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. That's right. It's not, it's not the Northern European, although kind of the same weirdness. It's more like... Uh, off-brand Sicilian or something. Yeah, or like Portuguese whimsicality. <laughs> it's like, 
You sat on a wet bench in Lisbon before your job interview. Better get something minty in there and come up with a quick solution. <laughs> quick go and spend some euros and <laughs> fix it up. <laughs> yeah, I, or like, I, I, you're right. Juicy Fruit has that same flavor. Of, no, I'm sorry, Mentos and Juicy Fruit both have the same flavor of like, going to a corner store and having to buy either gum or like a cricket wireless prepaid plan (laughs) connects you with, you know, six countries or something. Very, very European. Yep. Um, You know, respect it. It's like every, every candy should have a Ryan air analog. (laughs) There was a, the, the, one of the stores I go to, which like a very Pennsylvania thing. I don't know if this is everywhere, but we have like certain stores that are like quietly very Christian but, like, also sell all the same stuff you get. So, like, there's the supermarket that's super Christian. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, no, mega Christian supermarket. Uh, they have, wow. like, a big, big, like, you know, he is risen sign up on Easter and all this stuff. But they're just, like, a regular supermarket. I go there all the time. That's uh, – is it better in some ways? You need, do they... um, some of the stuff is. They sell better um, – Like the peeps goods. are fresher? <laughs> well, no, the peeps are not fresher, which you'd think they would be. But, uh, no, I mean, they, they do have better holiday stuff uh, overall, though. And they have um, they have really good pastries, and their salad bar, like food bar, is very good. Um, the produce is not as good, but, like, it's it's fine. It's, it's basically just, like, it's kind of like if you – definitely not in New York City, but I know in New York State they have these, like, where it's, like uh, – it's kind of just like a, a supermarket that maybe there's three locations and then there's like the giant, but the one with three locations is the one that competes with the giant regionally, right? Mm-hmm. Like just in the town. And it's sort of yeah. like that, except they're also just like run by very, very committed Christians. Um, but yeah, I mean like that, that's, um, I don't know why I brought up the Christian supermarket, but did they, uh, did they not stock juicy fruit because it's, it's oh, central? No, that's why I did <laughs> the pleasures of the flesh. Well, they had no, no, almost. They had an aisle where this is why I brought it up. They had an aisle where they were like, "Hey, we're throwing it back now." Candies from the 1950s, and they were the weirdest candies. Like, I wish I would have taken a picture because it was like, it was like weird, like wafers that taste like black licorice or like, like so um, good, like circular, uh, like giant Smarties or whatever. Like, just like <laughs> really weird stuff. Like impractical tablets. things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, why would I ever buy this? Like a, a honey bar. Jeez, like, well, everything terrible. tastes like Pez. Yeah. All of the candies taste like Pez. That's not. It's we just, moved on. It's either Pez or it tastes way too natural. Like, like yeah. oh, jeez, you just like use that actual <laughs> like. This is made of molasses. Like you just you just froze molasses. It's horrible. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, they only had three flavors in those days and, and it's good. We're not there anymore. I yeah. feel like, I feel like juicy fruit beating big red was a, was a testament away from the cinnamon moment. Yeah. Of the Cause like big red was made with like just actual cinnamon sticks, like rolling off of a giant, like a, a boat coming from whatever, like yeah. three names ago, whatever Taiwan was. <laughs> yeah. It's also, it's like, it, it was made of that and also like just melted up red hots that they couldn't sell yeah. anymore. Yeah. Mm. Um, Boy, I'm glad that there's uh, so many bad candies occupying space in my brain. It's cool. I didn't really want to remember any of the shit that I read in college, but I did want to remember exactly what a red hot was so that when my buddy mentioned it candies. during a Skype phone call, I'd be like, ugh. <laughs> Jeez, I remember eating those. God. Yeah. Which I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, candy candy will do that. I, I remember all sorts of bad candies, like uh, 
like uh, you know what I do remember good candies too that I only had once that probably weren't very good but have a like a place in my mind like you've been like chasing it ever since yeah like a whatchamacallit yeah those were good that was peanut buttery right yeah they were and then there was the one that was like it had like vanilla and chocolate flavors it wasn't a now and later is not the brand it's like a and what were those those were yeah I'm, I'm blanking on the name but it's like a whatchamacallit where like was it like a bar uh, sort of. It was like almost like a taffy or a nougat. Oh, not Charleston Chew. Yeah, Charleston Chew. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Charleston. Uh, so I had a friend recently get so – Charleston Chew, my association with that is with Summer Camp. Oh, and it was okay. in the canteen. That would be something that you'd get like little ticket books and you could get – there were only a few candies. You could get the, the Jolly Ranchers, like the long, flat, like slab Ooh, Jolly Rancher. weird ones. Yeah. They were weird. Um, also, this is something that you do like – you know, my last years of summer camp, it's like when the girls that were the same age as you were also allowed to go to the canteen every night and you'd like hang out. And so you're kind of like trying to seem cool, but also you're scared of girls because you're in like eighth grade. So you're just playing foosball, like licking some giant flat Jolly Rancher or just like pulling on a Charleston chew and getting like flecks of fake chocolate on yourself. <laughs> yeah. But like in a cool way. Like oh, in just a way the, that the girls would like. The coolest way. Yeah, no, yeah. girls Girls love when you uh, can't eat candy, right? Yeah, covered in, in chocolate or, like, <laughs> gleaming uh, green Jolly Rancher goo. <laughs> oh, all right, Ladies. I'll, 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 be, <laughs> I'll be right back. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, wait, you need, you need a moment? It's just such a blessing to work from home, you know? Just, like, the best. Yeah, um, it's a, you can relax. Yeah, just, like, just kinda... just the most relaxing thing in the world. I will say it adds a lot of, of uh, texture to me. Like, also, I find your, your child to be very cute. Well, but it's you. like the that video where the little kid comes, like, stomping <laughs> into the room while the guy's uh, doing an interview about, like, yeah. South Korea. Well, it's but, like that, but you get it, you know, to, this is, you know, the audio version of it. Well, and it'll also, it'll, like, once once inevitably Oscar starts screaming, like, right when we get to the meat of our conversation, that'll be, like, that kid coming in in the, uh, in the walker. Yeah, the, the second uh, one. Yeah, the second one, which is really, <sighs> like... I feel like people forget about that part because I forgot about it, but it, it truly is the part where that video becomes just perfect. Every element of that video is delightful to me. I was so happy. There was some occasion, like, its anniversary or whatever it was, like, a few days ago. Oh, and I remember perfect. just going back and rewatching it. And, like, I, my wife and I will sometimes, like, one of us will enter the room the way that the little kid does just in the apartment just because it <laughs> feels so powerful. It's so good. There's, like, a couple of chicken wing things and then some, like, little punches for no reason. Really, I really good shit. I really I like I, I so relate with the baby in the in the walker too because it's just like it feels like it's just a, a like doesn't know what's going on, just going for it. Yep. And then wandering into like the exact the one place it can't be, and it's just kind of like motivating under its own force in there being like, I don't why are you blaming me for this? That's always where I mean for any of the non-parents out there like that's exactly where babies want to go. They always and like this is a sitcom trope but it's a true sitcom trope. Babies just want to be where they can't be. Yep. Um, I remember going to the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art with a friend whose kid was like a toddler and he was a real beefy lad. Nice. And so she would carry him or like wear him but every now and then she'd put him down and he would instantly crawl under the wire and try to like lick a Monet. And that was, like, the game that we played oh once he God. realized that we were, like, don't do that. <laughs> don't lick a Monet. <laughs> it was, like, that was the game that he wanted to play at the museum. So we just fucking chased him around, the, like, That's amazing. the whole floor. Did he yeah. get one? No, he did oh. not. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, but it was... impressive. <laughs> there was not a lot of art him. appreciation done. It was more just, like, uh, high interval intensity training, chasing, like, a very motivated toddler. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I can't... I can't imagine the, like, it... 
I can't imagine how funny that was for you and how terrifying it was for the father. She was so stressed or mother. out. Oh, sorry. And I was stressed out too, man. I mean, it's like, it was also weird because I had to be like, not actually my kid. I have a kid. Uh, this is just my friend. That's <laughs> like, yeah, really difficult. You just had to denounce the kid. As, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this kid licks the Monet. I am not responsible for Yeah, any, for one thing, he's got none of my genetic material. Now, his mom and I are friends. We've been friends. But <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, have any sort of qualifications to speak on her choices or genetic material, but uh, making a clarifying statement as I'm like hustled into a squad cart. <laughs> I just want everyone to know I will not be paying for this Monet. I yeah, think. you're gonna find this very funny when you know the whole story. Okay, I gotta, I gotta go. They got I'm getting booked. It's like oil paints on the kid's tongue, poisoning yeah. them because they're made of like eight, 18th century mulberries. Or yeah, something. that is. <laughs> Oh, jeez. This is the worst thing that could have happened. But yeah, I think David is, I mean, was here to just embarrassing it. for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I, the, the time I had Charleston Chew, and just to, just to wrap this conversation yeah, up, because I'm it. pretty sure everyone's pretty into this one right now. Um, wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is like the new podcast. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, I actually had it like the one time I was, I spent any time in, uh, Hoboken. Where uh, oh nice, my dad's uh, one of my dad's former students, and then they dated briefly uh, when she was like not his student anymore mm-hmm. in, in college, not in high school. Um, my dad's not a, a creep, uh, yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, good good to let people know online that my dad's yeah. not a creep. But um, your my dad's not a creep protestation has raised some questions <laughs> answered by my dad's not a creep protest. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he. She also was like when they were not dating our babysitter, so we knew her really well. She helped me get my first my first and only apartment in New York. So yeah, I mean like we, we were we were friends, and she babysat me and my sister when we were older. So it was more like you know my dad uh, was like going away for a weekend, or like maybe they just like put it together so we could spend some time like with someone a little older who was a little different. Like I I don't really know what it is to raise. Uh, Teens and preteens. I'm sure it's yeah. hell. So I uh, you'll get there. Yeah. Oh no. I'm, I'm, I will let you know when it is. When yeah. I am, I'll I'll be sure to inform the internet what's going on. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like we we just hung out at her place and uh, we watched The Wizard of Oz. I remember, which I had never seen. So it was just like it was a little strange for me because um, I had never seen The Wizard of Oz, which is a weird thing at like 14 or 15 to admit. Um, yeah. But also, she just bought us Charleston shoes, and I'd never had them before. So I just associate them completely with Hoboken. So whenever I would drive by Hoboken on my many trips from Pennsylvania to Brooklyn, um, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the Charleston Chew place. That's the Charleston Chew town. Yeah, that's actually, honestly, of all the associations you could have with Hoboken, that's easily the most benign. <laughs> I remember my dad trying to tell me that Hoboken was a pretty cool town. Um, and I just, like, I still don't think that that's probably true. No, it's weird. I think it probably did have a moment you know, like, the Yolo Tango people still live there. Like, it had, like, Maxwell's. Like, it had, like, one cool rock venue. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, it was, like, when my, my dad grew up one town over in Jersey City. Okay. And when he was young, Hoboken was, like, I mean, that's where, like, On the Waterfront is set. Like, it's yeah. just, like, it was a, a longshore town where it was, like, mostly bars. <laughs> like, that was, like, the business of the town was just, like, a place where, you know, like. Just those really guys, upsetting bars, too. Yes. Well, now it's, like, super-duper upsetting bars where it's, you know, like, 
whatever, like barfy punchigans, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> I guess that's upsetting. always, yeah, like, but I don't know. I haven't been there in, in a minute, uh, to be fair. Like since Maxwell's closed, I don't think I've, I've been mm. there. I guess like, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say Hoboken, Hoboken seems like one of those places where like you would talk about going to like a dive, but people would misunderstand because dives are now seen as cool. Whereas like mm-hmm. there's the kind of dive where it's not cool to be there and no one should be there. Yeah, it's and upsetting. It's very like, it's bad. Like there was one there. in my neighborhood. It's still there. There's a couple in my neighborhood that have stayed there, but one of them, the one I think about most often, is just called Phil Hughes, like the guy that used to oh, pitch for no. the Yankees. That's just the name of it. Was it called that after Phil Hughes? No, I think it was oh, called okay. that before Phil Hughes was the thing. Yeah, it used to be called Jabba Chamberlain's, and then they rebranded. <laughs> uh, they rebranded it's, instantly. Yeah, so it's Phil Hughes with no apostrophe. It's just the name of, of a man. Okay. And for a while, they've put in, uh, like, windows now. But for a while, they only had those little, oh. like, frosted glass cubes. I love it. I love that. And the, the only, there was a TV that you could see through the door, and it always had, like, simulcast, like, harness racing. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like those places because of how hard it is to tell uh, when they've closed. Like yes. if you ever if you ever like been to one of those places where like after they have um, shut down like not been I like I say been to but I mean like drive by yeah um, like the it's so difficult to tell if they're closed at that point because it's like well there's no visible lights ever. there's no way to see in yeah you've never seen it look more open than it has there but you've also like never seen it look more closed yeah so it's like, just like <laughs> I, I, it could be anything. There's places where it's, like, it seems like every bar is like that. Like, for the longest time, like, Portland, Maine was mostly like that. When I go up there, you know, that's where my wife grew up. Oh. And there I were all these places that I didn't know you and Mark like, Norman didn't have this in common. Yeah. And they looked like, uh, but, you know, like, do you know some of the, the places that I'm, like, talking about? Yeah. I've, I've been to Portland once or twice. So, yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. But they all look like, uh, like bunkers, like World War II, kind of like a salt box thing. Or whatever, that's not the word. Yeah, no, 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 like a, like a, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Pillbox. Like, yeah, pillbox. Like, there's places where, like, you would have a, a machine gun uh, embankment, mm-hmm. and people yeah. would try and throw uh, those wacky long grenades into it. Yes, but in this case, it's like, Welcome instead of a machine gun placement, pod. it's like a Narragansett <laughs> tap. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, oh, I mean, Narragansett, I mean, that's, like, that's even pretty highbrow. Um, yeah. My, uh, my parents got tricked into going to the, um the place in our town that was a dive. My my friend at his deepest uh, levels of, I mean, he, he doesn't drink anymore, but when he was like fully, fully an alcoholic, he went to this place like once and decided it was too much for him. Um, wow. It was this place in town called the Indian Valley, which is the name of the, well, sort of like the unofficial name of the area uh, I grew up in. And mm-hmm. um, uh, my parents went in there once because they advertised having uh, craft beer, which my parents really like. And uh, uh, <laughs> they uh, they basically like my, my stepfather was like, ah, cool, like craft beer. This is great. I love craft beer. And my mom was like, well, I guess we can see what this is all about. And uh, they went in once and had like one bottle of like barely craft beer that they'd yeah, low and brow. Yeah. Like they brought bought in six packs just to get like six people like to come in um, and buy some beer. And then they left. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, we won't be doing that again. Yeah, like um, everybody else in there was just stropping straight razors for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> it felt weird. It's like, yeah, I think you you like uh, the I think the one time I went to one of those places, uh, the place was called Beef and Ale North. Um, <laughs> as, far, as far as I know, there's no Beef and Ale South. It's closed now, but uh, I don't think there was. I think it was I think it was just like 
you know, aspirational maybe. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, um, the jukebox played uh, Bill Russell's Sunshine, which is one of my favorite songs. Like, I love mm-hmm. that song. Or I'm sorry, not Sunshine, but Ain't No Sunshine. Yeah. But um, the, uh, the, there was just like this very drunk middle-aged woman there and she just mournfully says to me and my friend who are like, you know, 24, 25 at this point, she just goes, ah, sunshine, I miss my sunshine. Would you be my sunshine? I was like, we got to oh, dear. We got to leave. Like, yeah. Just, like, this is this haunted. is just this has just become something much worse than I. expected. Yeah. You never can tell when it's sometimes it's charming and kind of, you know, welcoming. And then sometimes, yeah, it's just like an older lady staggering towards you being like, I just need to kiss. So, yeah, it's just like it's Silent Hill, but real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, um, twenty-five minutes into the podcast, we just mentioned our first video game. Yeah, uh, right. No, people, people come for this. I, I, I think it would be wrong to have one of our one of the podcasts where I have you on. Um, that have like they've they've multiplied. I, I really enjoy having you on. So I think I've strong armed you into coming. It's out fun a few to times. do, especially given that I really don't know very much about video. I know that's, like, that's it's kind of a surprising number of appearances yeah. given that. Well, I think most of uh, the podcast's most beloved guests are um, generally loath to talk about video games, mm-hmm. which um, I haven't really thought through very much. Okay, let's not unpack that. that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, no. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the um, so uh, I'm here to ask you about video games that you remember because I'm stealing your bit of uh, mm-hmm. Remember Some Guys, um, which is the thing that is has brought you quite a bit of fame uh to the point that uh i, I don't think this is what noam chomsky likes you for but it could be um <laughs> i don't know fame is not exactly the the right word for it but it is um yeah if noam chomsky watched one remember some guys video after liking a blog about an unrelated topic then my work is is fully finished here <laughs> noam chomsky just like well i do remember uh like i, I do remember uh, uh sid <laughs> fernandez but like yeah i i, I don't really that would be the dream to get together to have like a conversation with noam chomsky and he just wants to talk about gary gaetti the whole time (laughs) well far be it for me to say no yeah Um, it's like look it's a great mind and i'm I'm interested (laughs) in whatever's on it gary gaetti briefly a phillies hitting coach and i had to learn about him a little bit uh back when i was writing about the phillies that was a weird moment in my life um because i didn't i didn't remember that guy Um, yeah he was uh not a guy that i would think of as a a hitting coach material he was kind of a boomer bust guy but i guess it you know they were trying a lot of stuff. Milt Thompson was the guy before that, if you want to remember yeah. some guys. Um, that is a guy I remember. He played very well against the Mets, always. That's always the guy you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like Don Carmen. All my, all my favorite Phillies. It's <laughs> like Pedro Feliz is who I remember when I think about being terrible except in very weird situations. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about games this way. And I, I wanted to kind of steal part of your part of your bit. And just mention a bunch, uh, but I thought that would be a second uh, order thing. And at first, I was thinking maybe um, you would want to tell us about a game that you remember, uh, just like that sticks in your mind. Because there's always one I think that like is not the typical game that people would cite as like important to them, but that kind of sticks around in their mind for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so there's like there's definitely games that that I played a lot that are like the games that you would expect for like a sports nerd sure uh who's roughly my age right so i played a lot of tech mobile and like uh like blades of steel and like Great. rbi baseball and all that but the one that i was thinking of when we first started talking about doing this was like 
other games would just kind of find their way into my house. Like, obviously, I didn't have any purchasing power because I was like 11 or 12 years old. <laughs> not, not um, 11 and 12 year olds not known for, uh, for their vast wealth. Yeah, or their judgment, to be honest. So it's hard to say that this is something that I wouldn't have done, but it's like you'd go to a buddy's house and they would have games that you'd never seen or heard of before because there was, like, nowhere to see or hear about them. Right, like, sure. I don't even think that, like, Nintendo Power uh, was starting to publish at that point. So and even if you'd it go was. Someplace and, <laughs> and, and the games were all really weird uh, relative to, like, anything that, you know, that I'd expected uh, to see as a video game. And I remember I had a game called Karnov. Oh, yeah, Karnov. Do you remember Karnov? It had a, um, Karnov had a brief resurgence because I think something awful covered it in like the early aughts or the late 90s. Mm -hmm. It's a wild game where you're a, you're a fire-breathing wrestler. You're a fire-breathing Russian strongman. Okay. That's true. My is close to And the game, it's mostly like a side-scrolling thing, but every now and then you have to go like straight up. <laughs> Which is kind of like inventive, but also like they didn't really have the range to pull that shit off. And I don't think I I played hours of Karnov without ever getting, I think, even adequate at it. I never understood what was happening or what I was supposed to do. do like with a lot of side scrolling game games, bad? it's just like you just go right. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's because the game was bad or do you think like it was? Oh, I, it too was probably me. I think it was probably too complex for me. Okay. Um, it, like, it might have been bad, you know? Like, I it, again, like, it was the sort of thing where I was just completely lost in it. Okay. Like, the way that, that uh, you know, people that are probably slightly younger than me would have had that experience with, like, Mist or whatever, where you're just kind of exploring the world and opening doors and being like, oh, wow, another another turret. And Interesting. Like, hey, a clock that I can mess around with. I wonder yeah, what these right. uh, various signs mean. <laughs> And then, but, like, Karnov was weirder than that because you'd be doing it and you'd just sort of be like, I don't know what's going on here or, like, how close I am to finish. And then just, like, a, like a griffin would come down and just bite you to death. And you'd be like, oh, interesting. I guess I, I wasn't expect that close. That. <laughs> That's never happened before. And it was, That's really so, cool. I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah, just completely dreamlike. In my recollection, anyway, it was like that. I'm sure it was probably just, like, a normal side-scrolling game otherwise, but... I like, like, there were there were games like that where... The games I remember are the games on, like, Apple IIe that would mm-hmm. be, like, you'd just find if they were at your school or whatever. Like, I remember there was, like, a Flintstones game, and I truly, like, <laughs> I would I remember you would get to a part where there would be, like, this brontosaurus, and I had no clue how to get past the brontosaurus. Like, Fred just needed some combination of rocks and uh, sticks and, you know, uh, hilarious 1950s appliances that are made out of shells <laughs> and to get past this process. A pterodactyl that's also a record player. Yeah, like, the normal stuff you need to defeat a boss. Yeah, the things the things you need to make a living. Um, and yeah, no, they, uh, I just never figured it out. So like in my mind, it's just a game where there's like, at the end, it's just a giant dinosaur and I can't do anything about it. Yeah, see, and I know that that's not the, it's not the case that these games were actually unsolvable. And yet, like, at the time, there was really no way to know what you were doing or, or like, there was no... I didn't know anyone else that had fucking Karnov. Well, yeah, you're not going to go online. I mean, you couldn't go online. You could, you wouldn't go to Usenet. I mean, like, you know, like, yeah. groups.karnov. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like but, yeah, so it was just, like, the, the things, like, fundamentally presented as, like, unsolvable. Yeah. And then, like, the game of it was just, like, seeing how you were going to get wrecked. 
Ghosts and Goblins was like that oh, to me. Oh, Ghosts and Goblins, yes. And Ghosts and Goblins was another one that was kind of, like, humiliating because it's, like, you could be doing fine, but then, like, it just a skeleton would pop up and you, your character would suddenly be nude. That was bad. That was, yeah, that was humiliating. You're just in your underpants, and then a second skeleton finishes you off while you're standing there in your freaking skivvies. <laughs> that was and, like that was always the most humiliating thing about Dungeons and Dragons, or I'm sorry, not Dungeons and Dragons. That's I mean, I must have played a weird game of Dungeons and Dragons then. At there some was point. one, yeah. That was that was a that's a that must be a repressed memory of the, someone making my character get hit and then go to their skivvies. But the <laughs> um, uh, no, like Ghost Gage Goblin was, is like, uh, was just like when Simon or whoever, what was his name? I can't remember his name. It was something. It was Simon, was. right? Was it Simon? Yeah. Um, when he got hit and lost all his clothes, and you had to run around in your underwear, that was like. There was something, like, viscerally upsetting about that to me. Yeah, it was humiliating, <laughs> especially given that, like, at the age you're playing these games, at least, you know, for, for me, it was like, I was, you know, maybe going through puberty, maybe just sort of getting there. But you're, like, starting to develop the sorts of anxieties that, like, you know, in my case, <laughs> would uh, I would carry with me for a lifetime. Oh, well. <laughs> but so the idea of be- being humiliated by a ghoul such that you're mostly nude and die in your underpants is like, I don't even think I knew that I was afraid of that until it happened to be in the video game. And then I was like, oh, that would be very embarrassing. I would hate to be, I, I would hate to come up against a, 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 like a swamp monster, or like a Frankenstein and for them to remove my clothes and kill me. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, for some people, maybe that blossoms into a, a beautiful fetish <laughs> they can carry forward. For me, it was just another way to, to feel uh, like, like I wasn't good enough. <laughs> but, People really love the uh, the, the Frankenstein uh, killing you fetish. Um, yep. I say this. I say this as a joke, and realize as I'm saying it, it's absolutely a fetish out there. Certainly, you know a it's, thing. it's okay yeah. if that's your thing. It's not hurting anyone. You know. Let's, yeah. Well, yeah, you're getting Frank domed. That's okay. <laughs> it's a, just like a classic uh, Hammer horror. Just like, uh, but like it's all about <laughs> like how sexy su- they are. Super like. <laughs> plummy Peter Cushing type just <laughs> yeah. dressing you down. I could, I mean, that actually sounds like something that you could probably find pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's a big internet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is a big internet. And a lot of people are really into British people dressing them down. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I I totally feel you on that. I feel like I feel like those, those old side-scrollers were like that, where like they were so punishing. And I'm not sure why they were so punishing, except that they were probably arcade ports and they wanted you to keep putting in quarters, but, like, mm-hmm. when you were just playing on a Nintendo, it was like, well, I, I can't. I just have to go back and try again. Yeah. So one of the, the things with, with video games, I, I so I barely played games after that, and the... But I've edited a lot of stories about video games uh, and read a bunch. I'm a, a fan of your writing, even though I don't oh, often or always know what you're talking about. <laughs> and the... Uh, there was one game I remember for when we did the... Like, we did these little magazines for the classical, and we did a mm-hmm. video game one. And someone wrote about, is it Battletoads? There's oh, one yeah. game that's, like, infamously just so hard that it's not fun. There's a, there's a level in Battletoads that is, that is that. I mean, Battletoads is hard on its own, but there's a speeder bike level, essentially, in Battletoads that, like, you kind of have to memorize in order to beat. It goes, like, so fast that if you don't just, like, have it committed to muscle memory, you'll never get through it. And, like, I, I remember... Like, reading the thing, it was like a well-written essay. I don't remember uh, who wrote it. I'd have to go back, like, deep into the the Gmail archives on that one. (laughs) But, like, I remember just at the time, I was like, this is good. I'm enjoying it. Like, this is going to run in the magazine, and I'll be glad to have it there. Also, why would you make a game like this? 
Yeah. Like, why would you do that? Who's, like, not just why would you play it? Because, like, people do all kinds of dumb things. But, like, why would you make it so hard that no one can finish it? That doesn't seem very nice. Well, here's the other question I have about Battletoads. And, like, I think, like... I think this is a great way to start a sentence. Here's a question. I here's the other here, not even just a question. Here's the other question I have. <laughs> shows you're in the middle of a really good discourse. It's just it's yep. a it's basically the perfect lead line. Um, but no, I, I the question I have about Battletoads is it became like a well beloved series. Like there was a Battletoads two on the Super Nintendo. There was Battletoads versus Double Dragon, which I spent a lot of time playing, even though it mm-hmm. wasn't particularly good. Um, they showed up in Clay Fighter. I think actually you could play as a Battletoad in Killer Instinct. I think now, like the new Killer mm-hmm. Instinct game, you can like one of the playable characters is a Battletoad. Like, <laughs> why did why did this game? I mean, this game was like oh, people only remember it for being punishingly hard for no reason. Yeah. Like, why did so? Why, why did would that then so? have a second life as like a thing that people? It's weird. Memes are weird like that, right? Yeah, they I mean, are. Because it's not, it's not necessarily funny. It's not like a fond association that anyone has. No, no one's excited to think about like their time playing those levels in Battletoads. I mean, it's just horrible. Yeah. It makes you feel terrible. <laughs> I think of it as like with a lot of that stuff. I mean, certainly this is the way that like my brain works. But if you consider that like the culture generally is like a sludgy, slow-moving, heavily polluted river, <laughs> it's a matter of which of the the many plastic bags floating in it snag <laughs> on a submerged. Uh, shopping cart, and yeah, and you never know what it's going to be. It's it's luck of the draw, and in this case, Battletoads just like sort of somehow caught an edge. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I guess like you know the other thing that I think is maybe similar with both of us is that when we when we're faced with situations like that, it is like it's immediately demoralizing because when it's at a certain difficulty level, it feels like well, I'm never going to get to be better at this. Um, and, like, I'm never going to be good enough to actually do this level. And the part of that comes from just being bad at gym, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, like, just, like, being totally, um, totally, you know, incapable of doing anything athletic in school. Like, you look at that and you're like, well, this is an impossible situation. I can't can't do this. And I'll just muddle through, but I'm not going to be good at it. Um, but then yeah. other people see it as a challenge. And they're like, well, I'll get better at this. But I think that, like, that that's something that's still with me today. Like, when I play... Um, like online tactics games or like Rainbow Six Siege or whatever, it's really fun. But I I'm never going to be good at it. And you know I'm sure with practice or whatever, you know learning things or watching videos to to figure out how to play the game or whatever, I could be fine. And I'm sure I could do the same with Battletoads. But it's like yeah, it's never going to happen. It just makes me I feel respect terrible. it. It's definitely it's true that. And I think that that was I never took the the game seriously enough. I was just like, well, mm. this is irrational. Like, this isn't fair. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right, I think. Yeah, where it's like, where it's like, you know, they've they've made this game badly. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. feel the need to actually do well on this because they should have done a better job. Getting good at video games is the sort of thing where, like, I mean, I'm never going to do it. I have a friend who did do it. Like, later in life, he's like a, he's one of my close friends, a brilliant guy. Uh, he's a fireman in L.A. County now, but he had, he'd been an academic and he had always you know, had, so he was a record collector, then he was a sneaker collector, and now he's, you know, got kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's mostly what he's, I think, focusing on. But he's like a beer guy now. But for a no. while, he was on, um, uh, it's not, it's like Street Fighter, but maybe, or no, Mortal Kombat. Okay. But like the newer iterations of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, sure. And he would like go and like play like little local tournaments and stuff and like played a lot and got good at it. But it was the sort of thing where like it was the same. There's some people have that like element of their brain that just like commits 
hours to figuring something out. Yeah. And so, like, when he wanted to be a good DJ, he figured out how to DJ. When he wanted to get good <laughs> at Mortal Kombat and, like, play against, you know, whatever weird teenagers in, like, outer L.A. County and, like, either have them wreck him or, like, grudgingly come to respect this adult man that was in the midst, <laughs> then, like, you know, he committed to doing that. But, like, I never I never had that, uh, that gumption. Yeah, I feel like that might explain why, like, uh, the two of us have a lot in common in terms of our feelings about writing, where, like, the basic the basic anxiety with writing is that someone finds out that we're not as good at it as they think, and then all of a sudden, like, we don't have any other skills. I'm, I'm intuiting yeah. this from you, but this... Uh, no, no, it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's a fucking house of cards. Like, at this point, like, I think I'm a good writer. Like, I think I'm a oh, yeah. good editor and a nice enough fellow. It's also just, like, I don't know what that's worth, <laughs> and I don't have a fallback. Like, <laughs> after that, it's just being like, well, now I'm, I'm a fast typist, too. Being a fast typist is cool. You can be, like, like a, you can work in a, an office pool, right? They still have those? Yes. Secretarial pool. Yeah, love to just... get harassed by... Uh, <laughs> Roth, Don Draper. Yeah. I had a weird interaction with Ken Cosgrove today. It's me coming, <laughs> coming home from work. Hang on a sec. What's up? Could you turn on it again? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. It's weird that it keeps going on. We need to get the remote out of there. Again, I don't have her, like, she never wakes me up in the morning. Your kid just sounds cute. The things that she says are funny to me. <laughs> Thanks. She is, um, we found out actually uh, via our second kid that, uh, she was unbelievably precocious with her, uh, with her, um, uh, speech mm-hmm. in that, like, at 18 months, which is where he's at now, she was talking to us in, like, full sentences, and then she wanted, like, she got potty trained two months later, and he's, like, still, like, we can get him to say cat if we point to one of the cats and he knows where his nose is. And I think that's like normal for a little, like some little kids don't like to talk. He's totally normal. He's like right on track. (laughs) That that is a thing that, that sometimes happens though, because getting like I, my nephew was the same where it was, you'd get full sentences from him that like they scanned, but also like he was two. So his brain was just, everything was crazy. That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. They just like the, basically if you, if you have a kid that is precocious and knows words, then they're going to say some really, really crazy stuff to you. And yeah. Like, just, it'll be, but, like, it'll happen along the beats of a normal conversation. So you can be, like, talking about something, and you'll, like, take a minute and respond. But, like, the thing he's responding with is, like, I don't think I could throw a hippopotamus. And you're like, I don't think you could either, man. Like, I agree. There was, And I was also thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of unsettling things Tilly used to say where, where, like, she would be like, I wish I had a small – or, like, I forget if she said she wished or she had a dream um, – uh, she's like, I I wish I had a small group of I wish I had a small group of tiny people, and I was like, oh, and she said they would be my captives. I was like, jeez, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really dark. <laughs> I don't know. Real, I don't know. I, I don't mean anything by it. No. Yeah, I, was, I remember Jeb talking about his kid like singing something spooky one time <laughs> before we were doing a Hallmark podcast. That's it's really like good. A chilling, you know, like yeah. that's like a as old a horror trope as there is. Spooky little kids. They are spooky, though. I mean, it's a reason there's a trope. They they will say some, and it's because you're absolutely right. Like they don't have the same connections we do, which is just classic horror. Like you take two things and put them in situations that you wouldn't expect them in. Yeah, um, that's not supposed to be there. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, jeez, that's unsettling. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. Anyway, yeah. she seems very nice. Oh, well, thank you. No, she's very nice. She's uh, she's she just wants to be able to watch TV while I work, and I totally understand that. The uh, the 
hey, hey, Amazon, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe my Fire Stick got uh, got hacked by Mohammed bin Salman. Oh, uh, that's tough. You got to be careful. A, when that guy sends you memes, it's not always just in good fun. I, you know, he sends such good memes though, so I open all the attachments. Yeah, and then like, sometimes that was dank MBS. Thank my, you. Yeah, they all. Then sometimes he steals my compromise. That's just not good. Oh, that's why. That's why we are a uh, an official uh, Kingdom of Saud uh, podcast here at No Cartridge. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's cool that their sovereign wealth fund has been so supportive of forward thinking uh, gamer podcasting I, and journalism. I agree, um, and I also think they did nothing <laughs> wrong. Um, but, uh, so li- just steering effortlessly into a live read. <laughs> If you think that conversation went to some weird places, you should go to Jeddah. <laughs> it's incredible. I wish I, I wish people would pay me to do ads. Um, I would do a great job with them. Yeah. The Casper lifestyle. What? Did they fall? No. Did you fall? You okay? Twice. Oh, no. I'm running. Oh. Oh no! Um, <laughs> um, let's just keep most of this in. Um, but yeah, no, it's it it is like I wish people would pay me to do ads because I would definitely uh, I would find good ways to get them into into podcasts. Like uh, if you think it's uncomfortable to have to um, support uh, the actions of the Kingdom of, of Saudi Arabia, uh, just try sleeping on not a Casper mattress. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's See, that's how you that's do it. That's how you do it. Because yeah. you're banking it, and it sounds authentic. It's like your friend telling you. People, you're like, well, I don't like Saudi Arabia either, but maybe I would like this mattress. <laughs> people people can't skip past it because they're like, well, once they get, maybe there's going to be something relevant in this ad. People love being tricked into listening to ads. That's what I mm, – That's the best. <laughs> I personally can't get enough of it. People love when ads pop up on your site randomly, I think. <sighs> I don't – Are we? I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> But um, uh, so so yeah no I, I think like in some ways the most perfect remember some games thing is remembering some side scrollers like I think the one mm-hmm. for me would be something called um, Journey to Silius which is just like a cheap game that my it's a um, Nintendo game yeah or? it's a Nintendo game and it was just a cheap game that my uh, my grandmother bought me because it was like it was on sale like she and she didn't know mm-hmm. what the, the, like the perfect way to get weird games is that like a family member buys you a cheap game. Because, like, back in the day... I'm sure that's how I got Karnov. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it's like, like my parents, like, ask somebody at Toys R Us what's good. Like, I think they just <laughs> grabbed something. Yeah, and the, well, there were always, like, discount bins. And, like, every mm-hmm. Nintendo game, because they knew they were all garbage. And, I mean, for the most part, they were. Um, but, like, they were just, like, they were all $60. And so it's like, well, I don't want to pay $60 for something this kid's going to play for two minutes. Like, that seems terrible. Yeah, and, like, spill orange juice on, yeah, like, right. instantly or whatever. Exactly. And then you look over and you're like, well, that thing over there is uh, $19.99, and it's the same kind of thing. So I'll buy that. Yeah. And you end up with some real weird things. Um, but Journey to Silius was this, and it was this game that I think I only ever got to, like, the third level of. It was punishingly hard. But it had a really cool aesthetic. And the music was fantastic. And then, like later on in life, you'd find I'd found it on a couple like underrated NES music gems like lists. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I remember that. That was cool. That's cool that it was like actually good as you remembered it. it, it in the one way, I, yeah. I, I think I played it again, and I was like, no, oh, like 
combat is not great. Like it's it's mm-hmm. still it's still like kind of a half baked side scroller. But it was cool to to know that people liked the music in the way I liked it. That's uh, the games that I remembered being like revolutionary. I've like gone back a few times and like sought them out to be like. Like, is, like, Altered Beast actually cool, or did it just seem cool to me when I was, like, 12? And the answer is it seemed cool to me when I was 12, but it was, like, weird in a way that other games were not. Wasn't it cool? That I, like, Altered Beast is tough, though, because, like, I feel like when you play that, you it's it's really hard to not feel the same coolness. Like, it's, it's yeah. really hard, like, when you transform into, like, the Golden Beast or whatever to be like, actually, this this is awesome. Like, I'm glad no, I was it's able tight. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> And it was it was weird. Like it felt not like adult or whatever, but like like Karnov was just like some some weird shit that was dreamed up by people that were working really fast. Like <laughs> Altered Beast, I couldn't really tell what was going on in it, but it felt like there was like a point of view. Yeah, you know, like the like the booming like rise from your grave voice and all that shit. Where you're just like, that's like it felt like adult when I was twelve. I was like well, that would be that would be intense to rise from your grave and then you turn into a lion guy. <laughs> that's wild too. It's all based on Greek myth, but no one knows what Greek myth it is because they changed yeah, right. all the names to avoid yep. copyright, I guess. Getting <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sued by Aeschylus. <laughs> That's brutal, man. They won't take you to court. Yeah, they were, they were very serious and very litigious. I have nothing bad um, to say about them. No, they're all great. They're all wonderful. Um, but yeah, no, I um, I think like the – if you told me that a um, – like an Eastern European studio made that game, I would 100% buy it. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. feels like um, it feels like a game I'd play now where I'd be like, oh, this is very evocative and interesting. And, you know, it doesn't quite work on every level, but I'm glad they're experimenting. Uh, and those are always by Eastern European direct, uh, companies. I'd probably the That's 1984 cool that- version of me would have said that about Altered Beast. Yeah, I, I guess I never, this is embarrassingly provincial of me, but I never really assumed... That there, of course, there's a gaming industry in all these different countries. The same way there's a film industry in all these different companies, countries. But like, I wouldn't have thought that that would be a thing. Of course, it it is. Some of you'd be surprised. Some of them, um, probably the most popular, uh, CD Projekt Red, who makes the Witcher games, um, mm-hmm. is out of uh, Poland. Um, oh wow! Yeah, all right. No, but there's like there's also strange Eastern European ones, like um, not strange, but like a little smaller. Uh, the game that I'm thinking of is uh, Pathologic, and then the more recent Pathologic 2, which are these, they're not super popular games because they are, people call them brutally difficult, but the whole point of it is that they're just not very uplifting. You basically mm-hmm. are a person in this town and you have to try and stop this plague and um, it, you're just not going to do it. It's never going to, yeah. it's like, it's, you can do it after several playthroughs, but it's it's very difficult. And the game is meant to be difficult because it's just like a horrible situation and everyone is suspicious of you and, uh, you know, have has like bad uh, intentions, and it's like a game about suffering, which is a very, very like oh, an Eastern European studio made this yeah. kind of feeling. Like, right. Oh, you made. But it. at the same time, like it's cool that that's out there. Like right. I'm glad yeah. that there's. I think that was the thing with games for me as as a kid that like was limiting or that I was not. Uh, moved by I guess at that moment when I would have been moved and maybe they just weren't good enough or interesting enough but so many of them at the same time just had this sort of like you know like Reagan's America as filtered through like Japanese technology company lenses and so I was just like I didn't want to be like muscle bound guys like running through the jungle and blowing people up or whatever it's like I felt like you know every third game was that and I was just kind of like not really feeling it at all well and like if you if you 
just base it off of the cover art, which of course any self-respecting child would. Child would uh, do. Yeah, yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? I'm not going to. I'm gonna. I'm not going to research this. Um, it's a. Uh, I mean, every game looked like that. Like, literally every game was like, well, these two shirtless commandos are about to shoot, I don't know, some aliens or maybe a helicopter. Yeah, drug lords. I don't hard to say. Yeah, it's, but some, it's from Konami. <laughs> they generally do a good job. <laughs> Konami is a, Konami is a, a wonderful uh, David Roth-style uh, uh, video game thing because I it... it to me, it uh, it that company combines a lot of what I like about your writing and thinking. Oh, uh, both, thank you. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> don't thank me yet. Uh, well, yeah, let's let's see where this is going. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm pleased to be compared to Konami. This is something you you work for your whole life. <laughs> but both both in your writing and in our conversations, because Konami was like a a really big deal video game studio, obviously, and like produced a lot of like, big classics, but also um, has now. Uh, alienated all of its fans not that you alienate your fans but you write about things that mm-hmm. alienate fans like the Mets um, yeah and uh, and has become a uh, basically what it produces now is uh, Plinko machines for Japanese businessmen because there's more money in it <laughs> they just bailed entirely uh, pretty much like, yeah well that's like this shit yeah that, well, they find you know they basically had a they still make games every so often but like it is not their focus and it's why like Kojima left it's why you know they're 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 seen as a basically a pachinko machine company first now because there's more money. But they gambling. had Kojima was there and then oh yeah that was the all the Metal Gear Solid games were from Konami, um, like the big big uh, I mean they had a ton of huge properties it wasn't like they were suffering they just realized there was more money in Plinko. It's <laughs> crazy. It's really good. Like it's 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 a shame. I like I I mean for games I guess, but it is very funny to think about a company just. Bailing. I think that's what the the Mets should do just is pivot away from being a baseball team, and now it's just shitty residential rental real estate. I would like to see. I would get yeah, that would actually be great. Like um, like uh, uh, just um, I'm trying to think of a Met right now. Like Noah Noah Syndergaard just like selling a uh, a development in. Um, I don't know. Where's a good, what's a good one? Like uh, well, like White Queens, Middle Ringos. Village. Yeah. yeah, I'm just uh, yeah. Middle Village is perfect actually. <laughs> why, like, why it's actually pretty it? accessible to the train via the bus. You're like, oh, interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Noah. <laughs> Sounds bad actually. <laughs> I was I was gonna go to Middle Village uh, yesterday night to go to a batting cage there uh, with some friends. We probably still will. Mm. Uh, John Halama teaches private pitching lessons there. Oh, cool. Yeah, that is cool to me. I thought maybe you would remember it because he was briefly a Philly, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is it I I bet they're good pitching lessons. It's I I think so. The place itself seems kind of like extremely uh DIY. It's owned by a guy that was in like a metal band back in the eighties and now it's just like a, a batting cage magnate in Middle Village. I don't know. I'm looking for, I'll keep you posted. That, that I mean that sounds basically like what you were describing, the Mets pivoting. Uh, yeah. Sounds like there's precedent for it, and they should do it. Yeah. Um, Get that money. Well, let me ask. Sell you, the team. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, they should sell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, please sell the team. <laughs> my, mm-hmm. my, my friend is dying. Um, <laughs> I feel so bad about like the Mets are the, like maybe the worst rival to have because I could never feel good about any success over them. <laughs> yeah. I know there no, are some Phillies fans who like truly hate the Mets and want them to lose everything. I like based on when I got into baseball seriously, which was it coincided with the Phillies in the World Series, but only because like 
a lot of my family had like watch parties for that and like we never mm-hmm. really watched baseball before that and watching it over that this period is of like time, the 90s darren dalton teams no no 2008 team um, oh okay. i just got really into it because i finally understood what baseball was like i always would have mm-hmm. said i was a phillies fan from you know that team and before my dad was always a big fan he had like a uh, a newspaper of them beating the braves um my dad taught me the perfect Philadelphia lesson, which is that if your rivals lose, you've actually had a successful season, no matter how it ends. Oh, that's um, it. That's a worldview. It's like, yeah, I mean, th- this is what I said about this last season, that, like, if, they, if the Eagles got the Cowboys out of the playoffs, they could lose the next game, and I'd be fine. And I have lived that truth. Yeah, um, which is good. Yeah, no, it, it is fine. It's great. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, like, I've never been able to, like, getting into, getting really into baseball in 2008, um, and then, like, you know, following the 2009, 2010 teams, and then, of course, the terrible teams after 2011 uh, was, like, 2011, of course, being the high point for the Phillies. Like, the Mets, I've never been able to hate. I've always seen sort of, like, a dark reflection or kindred spirit. Like, a lot of deals that didn't work out, a lot of bad management, a lot of restrictions yeah. that they didn't necessarily have to have. And then right, just like, like periodically trying, but it's just like they're doing it wrong. Even that World Series appearance against the Royals, like it just felt a little like, oh, I just yeah. I hope they, At I the hope time, they pulled this out. It, they were so good when they were good, but it was this. It was like the year that the the Rockies went to the World Series. We were yeah. kind of like, well, they're not like this isn't a team that should win a World Series, and like sometimes that happens, and a team like that does win, but more often a team gets there and then like abruptly, like. <laughs> you know, snap out Get of it. swept by the Red like, Sox. Yeah, right. <laughs> then they're, you're the fucking 88 win Mets. Like, sorry. Like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, but I knew a lot of Philly fans who were like, oh, thank God the Mets just lost. And I was like, well, I'm happy the Royals won because they hadn't, like, won one in a long time. Like, their fans were really hurting for it. But, like, I would have been fine with the Mets winning one for the same reason. Like, it's, yeah. I'm mad at the Mets. Just because it's like a regional accent thing. Is that really what the problem is? I think or? it's I think yeah. it must be like I think it just must be like NL East stuff, like just remembering them being uh, maybe maybe even remembering the eighties. Because it's like the, the Phillies yeah. fans who really hate the Dodgers. Like that kind of thing where it's like I mm-hmm. can't come up with any sort of real rivalries against the Dodgers. And I mean the Phillies destroyed them in like the most humiliating fashion in 2008 and 2009 I, like i can't really be that upset yeah like i'm supposed to be mad about that yeah the, i think that the it's all it's weird i mean it's just a question of like once you live long enough you sort of can develop these little vendettas against different organizations and teams but like yeah as like a young person in like 2008 like why like <laughs> how could you care yeah i cared about the braves because in 2009 they were always nipping at the phil's yeah. heels and i i i hated them but like not gonna like I, I can't get mad at the nationals marlins and especially not the mets they're just basically fill they're the phillies and them like if they didn't exist together they'd have to create one of them yes um, it's true i mean they like it's the perfect embodiment of like thwarted metropolitan uh like northeastern white culture yeah exactly like both both for some somehow both philadelphia and mets fans are living in the shadow of new york um <laughs> it's complicated, but that's a hundred percent. Well, let me name some. Let me name some some uh, some games for you that I think uh, you might have some relation with. These are I, I pulled this from from a very reputable website. I just wanted to find a list, and like finding a list of Nintendo sports games is hard because Nintendo fans are very weird. And if you say like mm-hmm. I want a Nintendo sports game list, they will give you every sports game that Nintendo, the company, has ever made. So you'll have, like, I'm not going to be like, David, uh, what are your thoughts on Mario Yoshi Golf Quest 2? Yep. 
like, it's not, it's not helpful to have like every single game, even like the Japanese only releases. Like, I don't care. I just want, I want the games I could play on the NES. Yeah. So I, I had to go to Bleacher Report to give me like a list I cared about. So this is nice. unfortunately from, Ble- from Bleacher Report, unless they want to hire me, in which case it is from Bleacher Report. The wow. Best yeah. Website Quality work. Um, but um, uh, I'm just going to read some names. If these don't ring a bell for you, just pass. But I'm pretty sure a lot of them will. Okay. All right. Track and field. Oh, yes. I do remember it. Uh, the video game technology had not sufficiently advanced that track and field should have existed. <laughs> but, I, yes, I definitely played it. The also, it's a funny thing. for you? It was all very, like, sort of pixelated. It also was just the sort of thing where, like, again, they hadn't come up with any, like, real crazy ideas yet. So they were like, what's a sport? Uh, do one of those. So it was, yeah, like, <laughs> there was, like, high jump. <laughs> I remember that. What are you trying to do? There was shot like, put. how do you, yeah. Shot put was the most was fun, I thought. Definitely played track and field. There was, like, an Olympic game that came out around the same time that was also wild in the same way. Wasn't that the, wasn't that the Atlanta Olympics? No, that was the SNES. I think SNES. it was. That was 96. That might have been a little later. So maybe there was, was one like, that involved, like, there was, like, a, a rafting component oh of it. Like, <laughs> What were they thinking? It's definitely possible I dreamt this. I mean, I, I, no, I don't think you did. I, I like thinking about, you know those, have you ever heard of those games where, like, they're these mystery games that just show up once in an ad in the back of a Nintendo, like, a, the back of a magazine, and they'll be called, like, um, like Tengu Tengu Collection or something like that, and no one has ever played them, and they're, like, the rarest Nintendo games, and people dream about, like, what they could possibly be. I certainly know that that's... I mean, it's the same with baseball cards. Yeah. That, like, scarcity drives demand, even if the thing that is scarce <laughs> is, like, real. useless and stupid. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I like to think that either what you are describing is very real or one of those rare games that only you played. Yeah, I played, like, Canoe King. <laughs> just, like, they're like, I don't know. I had, like, I had one of the five copies that existed, <laughs> but then I poured orange juice on it, I just, so I, it's not worth anything now. I, I decided to take Canoe King apart and see what was inside because it was the worst. <laughs> right. It was the worst There's of no my no boats games. in there. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only on this tiny little four four megabyte. Uh, well, that's too big. Like two hundred sixty five kilobyte uh, chip. Ugh. Yeah. Man, did you play track and field though? I did. You've, uh... I did play track yep. and field. Yeah. It was. Uh, I re- I didn't own it, so I played it at friends' houses. But I remember trying to do like the running and stuff like that, and just not understanding what was going on. Yeah, it was like and again another like super humbling experience. <laughs> where you're like, even if I was getting this right, I'm not sure it would be cool. Well, yeah, no, it's like it's it, it's the opposite experience of Pilot Wings, where like Pilot Wings, if you play it, it's I don't know if you ever played Pilot Wings, but like I don't know if because that was a little later. That was a Super Nintendo game, and then there was one on the N64. But that was a game where like it was hang gliding and parachuting and stuff like that, like flying, like all the things you would do as a pilot, ostensibly. Mm. Um, or someone who was interested in pilot-like activities like hang gliding. Mm-hmm. Um, or just the lifestyle, yeah. yeah. Just going <laughs> to get into it. Um, <laughs> just prop planes, hang gliders. It's just what I do on my weekends. Um, <laughs> but just, like, get to the highest possible cliff. Um, but that, that was, like, that was a game where you felt good about what you were doing and, like, you might be able to get better and you could see how much fun it would be if you could. Like, this... Mm-hmm. This was not that. I had a hard time with this game, but I could see why yeah. it's a classic in many people's minds because it was so distinctive. Yeah, but it was definitely yeah. That's I think that's a very important distinction to make. Like, there's the game, especially again as somebody who's done more reading about games than playing of games, you know, in the last twenty years. That like, if I can see why you might think it's cool, I can be down with yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but it like, there's definitely a lot of times where like I just can't get there. 
Maybe track and field was one of the first games where people were like, I just can't get here with you. Like, I Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But they're like, I don't want to do hurdles. Like, I don't want to do them in real life, and I don't want to do them in this basement. Every... <laughs> That's that's exactly right. I can't say it any better than that. Yeah. Um, okay, this one I did not play, so you'll have to tell me if you did TNC Surf Design. All right, so <laughs> this is a complicated answer. I did not play TNC Surf Design, but my friend Craig had it, and I remember, see, like, I watched him play it, Okay. I think. Shouts to Craig. Yeah, shout out Craig, obviously, a uh, huge fan of the podcast. <laughs> Um, he was also a guy that always had like weird games. There were a couple of guys like I, Craig was like a kid Icarus before oh, anybody else. Nice, that was a big one. Uh, Very <laughs> yeah, but, weird ones. So I remember rare, the rare games. <laughs> yeah. So the cover of TNC Surf Design I remember because it was a very like 1991 version of what was rad <laughs> at that time. But I don't recall playing the game. I don't remember anything about the gameplay itself or even what it involved. But I do remember seeing it and being like, ah, cool. Like, I've heard good things about this surf design game that you have. Apparently, you could surf and skateboard in the game. And you could play as a gorilla or tiki man, which goes right along with your point of, like, this is what 1991 thinks is very cool. Like a gorilla wearing a Hawaiian shirt or some sort of tiki man. Yeah. So I faintly remember the skate element of it as well. So this is all... It was like TNC Surf and Skate or something like that. That there was like, it, it had some, like, it was, yeah, it was just like a catch-all radical agglomerate. This game reminds me of a game I did play called RC Pro AM. Did you ever play mm-hmm. that? Where, like, it was like... No, again, another one where, like, the name rings bells, but I don't think I played I never it. figured out what it was about until I was much older. I thought it was just these tiny cars driving around, and it was very weird and very hard to play, but I, I played a decent amount of it. But it was supposed to be remote control cars. Like the mm-hmm. RC, like remote control pro AM, as if like you were bringing your remote control cars to some sort of national, oh American <laughs> national competition. Getting together, yeah. It's like I got, I'm gonna win gold in remote controlled cars. Um, I'm sure that there was like a Hal Needham movie about that, and this was like an adaptation <laughs> of it or whatever. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, but it just reminds me of that, where it's just like someone had an idea and it kind of clicked, and enough people just bought it because they didn't have any other options. Yeah, it is. I mean, what a time. Everybody's figuring everything <laughs> just out. It's a wonderful time. Together. Not an iPhone in sight. Um, <laughs> just, just guys just, being dudes. Yeah, just just vibes. Um, here's one you definitely have played, RBI Baseball. Yeah, all right. So that was a that was, a was important coming, one yeah, for me. Of course. Yeah, I loved, I, it's still one of my like sort of catch-all uh, sort of mnemonics. I try not to, I don't use it in writing very much because I don't want to make fun of the way that people are shaped. But I remember uh, Marlon Bird, you, it was yeah. a Met and then was also a Philly, yeah. uh, very much an RBI baseball body type. <laughs> yes. There's still every now and then you'll see guys in the actual, you know, major leagues that are shaped like RBI baseball guys who, for whatever reason, were all really blobby, kind of like <laughs> somehow both rectangular and circular at the same time. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures just to totally remind myself. And of course, I'm getting all the new one, which I'm totally uninterested in um, yeah oh yeah no of course that kind of blobby yeah in my mind i so had why were they was that a, a a graphics thing just the limitations were i think so i mean i think basically like any sort of gra- i mean it's 86 so for sure mm-hmm. there's a big limitation there but like i think you just had to make some choices like you just had to be like okay i'm uh i can do like one thing like if you look at rbi baseball 2 which was never actually completed it's abandoned wear but they have images of it apparently and it's like it's or maybe it was completed and 
because they have a third one too. But they um they actually make them real. I think like they just they realized they couldn't do enough, and they were like, well, we just have to make this stylistic. So we'll make them kind of like little uh bowl, like bowling pin yeah. guys. Yeah, just doing something so that they're not like the digital guys that you saw in like whatever MLB baseball or something. Right. But I remember RBI. So I think RBI was maybe the first one too that had uh, big league licenses for the names. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that was very cool. You could actually at the time. Although the the Bleacher Report article points out that uh, Dwight Gooden was available and was white for some reason. Yeah, they, there were a lot of problems there. That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, it was also like frustrating when there were guys that I remembered, you know, being just like sort of little guys, and I was like, well, they, why did you make him like a perfectly ovoid two hundred and sixty pounds? Like that's Raphael Santana. Like show a little respect. <laughs> I like like the idea of seeing every single character look the same, and you'd be like, uh, that doesn't look anything like him. Yeah, you're like, all right, okay, well, that one's close, but this one is way off. I'm currently yeah. looking at Daryl Strawberry, uh, looking like an orb and white. <laughs> So that's, yep. that's exciting. Wrong. Got every part of it wrong. Yeah. Really great. Really I love it. I like it a lot. It, it looks just like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about um, Excitebike? Yes, okay. very much. Excitebike was a, a Robbie the Robot-enabled game. Yes, that's right. Oh, my God. You, I didn't even remember yeah. that. Yeah, no, you're right. No, it's, I had a friend. Uh, my friend Gabe had Robbie the Robot. And it, uh, I we didn't know how to use it and probably broke it. And no one knew how to use um, him. No one knew how to use it. It was a it was a weird idea. They didn't really. Again, it was like a great plan. Reach like, exceeded the grasp. Cool, a robot I get to have play play Nintendo with me. I'm like, wow, this comes with a friend who's <laughs> broken. <laughs> great. Yeah, it sounds so much I, like my life. Um, I do remember Excite Bike though. Uh, that was pretty cool, as I recall. You yeah. could do some sick jumps. You could. It, it had the the limitation of any sort of Nintendo game that had um, sick jumps, and that like the the skills you'd need to make the sick jump were always not intuitive. Like when mm-hmm. you played uh, like Tony Hawk or whatever, like it was a little intuitive. Like I was bad at Tony Hawk, but I could still grind. Like, it was, like, yeah. jump on the railing, hit triangle, and you'll grind. It's like, all right, that's fine. It's easy. But, like, with Excite by Tricks, it was always, like, okay, it's B-A down up. Like, uh, yep. okay. Just super not intuitive. Yeah, and it's, like, the thing that, you know, we most associate with, like, flight and leaping <laughs> is, like, a complicated series of mashing gestures with your thumb. <laughs> I just feel so alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and my robot playing this game together. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if Robbie the Robot, I wonder if there's ever any, like, I wonder if there's ever any, like, actual video of people using Robbie the Robot. Yeah, I wonder. Because I remember in the ads, they made it look like it could do all kinds of things it could do. All the products that they had at that time, they would come up. I remember Power Glove was a thing that people were, like, wanting to have when I was a kid. And, like, they just didn't, you couldn't do anything with them. No. No, I mean, basically, Rob looks like he just rotates and puts things places. Mm-hmm, pretty that's much. That's uh, kind of a rough... That's the dream right there. Yeah, just... What if you had a friend that could rotate? Once again, we're getting to the automation thing, where it's like, you don't need to be afraid that a robot is going to replace you as a person. All it can do is rotate right. in a circle. Yeah, it's, it's not even more good at Excite Bike than you. Yeah, it's not even close. <laughs> it can't, it can't, I mean, you could, the Nintendo might be better at it, but Rob is not. No, he's not doing anything. Man. Just sitting there, pivoting. Rob, Rob could have a comeback. I, I know he's in a lot of, like, the Smash Brothers games and stuff, but, like, 
that whole aesthetic is very like of the moment. It's very sort of mm-hmm. like post yeah, super vapor wavy. Yeah, it's very vapor wavy. It has like the little like uh like kind of like the glass lenses that are Oh yeah, no. This is very this could this could make a comeback in a big way. I would This is is there a way that I could take a long position on <laughs> yeah, this like, like, like I could place a small bet Robbie Robot resurgence. Yeah, figure, yep. Figure out how to <laughs> bet up Robbie. Um all right, uh, let's see here. Uh, two for here, because it's basketball and hockey. The two things I do not associate with your fandom, although maybe I'm wrong about this. I'm a big basketball fan. Okay, you yeah, are a big the... basketball fan. Okay. Uh, hockey, I don't. I didn't think so. Um, not okay. really. And yet I did play a lot of Blades of Steel. Oh, see, that was one of them, Blades of Steel, and the other one was okay. Double Dribble. Double Dribble, uh, yes. So these are both games I, I definitely logged some time okay. on. Again, I had friends who were hockey fans. Blades of Steel, I mostly remember for uh, super incomprehensible announcer shit. <laughs> like, I, there was one thing. I think that the thing was hit the pass. But every now and then you'd be playing. Very and you'd be like, hop, hop, hop. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a hockey term that I know of. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it would just make sort of sounds at you. Double dribble, I remember uh, I liked very much. But also, I remember there was a... Um, halftime show that you couldn't fast forward through oh, no. with where the cheerleaders would do a dance I mean why would you want to no as a, as a young uh, yeah. as a young boy of 11 you're probably that was probably pretty solid yeah I was like wow all these cool girls doing a dance right here <laughs> right here in my room <laughs> yeah I better practice basketball if I want to be near any of that shit <laughs> that's not real basketball this <laughs> that's uh, the lesson and, <laughs> but yeah like double triple I kind of liked that was another one where there was uh, some weird uh, human voice stuff, sort of, again, like, reach-exceeding-grasp territory, where when you yeah. turned it on, it would go, double-dribble. But it was like, <laughs> it didn't sound right. I love when the old games talked. I like the... Yeah. Uh, did you, so did you log some hours on these things? I too? didn't do much double-dribble. I definitely played ice hockey. I didn't play Blades of Steel. I'm surprised Blades of Steel made the list above ice hockey, since ice hockey is kind of more, uh, I don't know, probably more iconic, but... I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Blades of Steel, a lot of people played. I definitely heard a lot of talking in um, the original Star Fox I played a lot of, and there was some, like, very weird vocalization in that where, like, to make voices, they just, like, repeated very, very um, kind of like acerbic sounds that didn't sound good. Uh, <laughs> it's like... Sounds yeah, great. Cool. Like the, the, your, your, your co-pilot would say something like... Uh, Hey, we got to get through here, and it would just go, or like, <laughs> it's like, oh, cool, thank you for that. That's really, yeah, okay. I, I love the way that you have, uh, you've gotten past the limitations here and, and really done something uh, abstract and fun. I just, I love listening I just, to it. I just love. Hearing I'm sorry, it. I'm not going to apologize. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the announcer stuff in general, I think, was like where you could see the sort of the seams showing at that yeah. point. Because the gameplay, like, I didn't know if it was good or bad or not. Like, I had you? never played a... Yeah. But there was definitely a lot of that stuff where I was like, that's that, like, hint of the uncanny <laughs> that... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like uh, uh, a buddy of mine and I, like, well, years and years ago, we uh, I used to... He used to come with my family up to Maine uh, when we would take our yearly vacation that my grandmother likes to do. Um, we don't own a house or anything. We just went to Maine. Um, it's not as fancy as it sounds. But Lakes or ocean? Uh, she liked ocean, but we did both. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was like the one thing she spent her money on in the year. But uh, she, um, he would always come up and we played a lot of video games. And the one thing we played was this like Atari classics thing for some reason that I had that I guess I mm-hmm. thought would be really fun. Um, and 
it was fine, but one of the things on it was called The Wizard of War, which I've really <laughs> known no one to play. War is spelled W-O-R uh, in it for some oh, reason. Oh, boy. Um, and he said all these... There were so many... They just made so many things like I know. It, it made no sense. And he just, like... He kept saying these bizarre things, like... At the beginning, it would just be this busted vocal chip going, Find me the wizard of war. And then, uh, <laughs> and then he would say, You can never leave war alive. Um, and the best one was, for some reason, in the middle of it, he just said, "If you eat, if you kill my babies, I will cook you in an oven." And it was just <laughs> we could not, I couldn't get enough of it. Like I was just like, "This is, this is blowing me away." Like, <laughs> Another one of those things where, again, like the more you think about it, the more you think about like people writing that dialogue, and then like some guy coming into the studio to be like, "All right, so do you, how do you want me to say oven here?" <laughs> like. It all got done. People all up and down making those choices to make this thing happen. Exactly. And yet it's all completely incomprehensible in that way. It would be an amazing thing to to be able to sit in. Like I, I for a, for a podcast I did with um with Brian from Street Fight, we were talking about Mortal Kombat and I did a little research and found like a an uh an oral history about like the people who did the actual like screen grab stuff, like the oral history of mm-hmm. making it and most of the people who were like Oh, I think I read this. And they were like, yeah, it was really disturbing actually. Yeah, and they were they, they basically said like it was a lot of work and then they were like, and actually they didn't pay us any money. We had fun, but it was like it was basically like a lot of people saying like it I I the way I described it to Brian was like if you've ever been to like a flea market or like a, a like a store that's kind of like off the beaten tr- track and like some guy is there and maybe they're selling like baseball cards and the guy has played baseball at some point and he's just talking to you about like what it was like when he was playing baseball man like the old days the old days like I could have been somebody but then this one thing happened and the whole article just like felt like I was talking to those people because they just got so <laughs> they were just all these kung fu people who were like every, they all made money except us I was like I feel yeah, really bad like, for but them. I'm the one that was sub-zero but <laughs> yeah. the one guy was like I came up with come over here like I I came up with that and they they doctored it so it's so they came up with it but it was really me I was like oh, oh poor, poor guy who played Kano like this is no way to live that's a tough one yeah because you can't dining out on that story is not no it's gonna be progressively smaller portions well, over the oh, years yeah really to come over here <laughs> yeah that's and cool. I should be well, a billionaire so talk to me a little bit about how you came up with that. Did you want the character to come over there where you were? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's it. That's that's pretty that's, much that's it. All. Yeah, that's about the size of it. All right. Well, great seeing you. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it it was sad, but like it it reminds me like I would I would just love to see like some of these creative decisions like from the people who made them. Like oh yeah, like we decided to put the voice in double dribble even after we heard it because of this. Like we thought it would be yeah. really, it would really in- encourage people to play this game um, if if they could hear us say yeah. this. Like we thought this was the most realistic and enjoyable basketball play that we'd added, but it was missing one thing. <laughs> the way that you know when you're watching a basketball game and sometimes a man just yells things at you. <laughs> that that, con- that also the the thing that they always are calling in NBA basketball games double dribble, like that. Yes, that, that, that very <laughs> the, the common penalty. Call. Like, ah, geez, Sixers lost again because someone called double dribble on him. Sucks, and they just yelled it right out. You can't do <laughs> anything. That's yeah, definitely naming it after like a, a cheesy amateurish foul <laughs> is also another thing where maybe it lets you know that the people like it could have been NBA dunk shot. Yeah, right. Or I mean, even even like that. NBA goaltending, I would feel would be like yeah. closer. Like I've I've seen that. Yeah, because that's cool. You're like jumping. Yeah, right. You're doing something real tough. 
Um, Double dribble is uh, you made a mistake. <laughs> like it's like it's like te- not one of the cool ones. Tecmo offensive pass interference. <laughs> <laughs> Tecmo encroachment. That's the dream. <laughs> Instead of RBI baseball, it's infield fly rule baseball. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, oh, what's his name on the cover? Sack uh, fly. <laughs> Sack fly. <laughs> yeah, it's like the oh, the first game, the only game endorsed by Spike Owen. <laughs> the worst player you can get in Sackfly baseball is um is Joey Votto. It's like <laughs> he's terrible. He won't do it. He keeps getting hits. What uh, button do you push to walk? Oh jeez, now I'm gonna lose. <laughs> <laughs> now at least Juan Pierre's up next. He'll give me, he'll give me what I need. Thank goodness, jeez. <laughs> A soft fly. <laughs> Uh, okay, here's one you definitely, I'm sure you have had some experience with. Uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah, yeah. Think about that one a lot. Uh, that was some of the most pure, like, early games, naive racismo mm-hmm. that you could possibly oh, get yeah. in Nintendo. Oh, like the, 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 the Indian player, or the, I think he was supposed to be Indian. That was, that was brutal. Every one of them was, like, a, a different racial stereotype. Yeah. Except King Hippo, who was... King a Hippo magical was just, stereotype? Yeah. But, like, Soda Popinski, like, what was... Yeah. God, like, his thing was that he would get drunk? Yeah, they had to change it to Soda Pop for, for the American audiences. Because you couldn't yeah. use... You couldn't have alcohol. Um, let's yeah. see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but I remember that game. I, that game I played... I think I did actually finish that game. It was, like, one of the very few where I, like, played enough to, like, actually beat Mike Tyson one time. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like... I mean, it was, like, a... It was a tough, it was a tough game. Like, I remember it being tough. Like, I was, like, and it was a a long time before I got past, like, I could beat, like, whatever, Glass Joe and stuff like that. Who's the next guy? Next guy's, like, Bob Flamenco or something. Or Von Kaiser. Yeah. German guy. Yeah. Is that the guy where you hit him and his his pants fall down, or is that Pop? No, that's, uh, that's, um, that's, uh, uh, King Hippo. King Hippo's pants fall down, and you hit him in, in his belly button. Um, yeah, and then his, and, his oh, and then boxer Piston shorts. Oh, then Honda comes up next. Another. Oh, yeah, that's the guy I was trying yeah. to think of. Don Flamenco. That, that Don guy Flamenco. was really embarrassing. Yep. He's kind of like soft and effeminate and uh, Southern Sp- European. Spanish. Just really good shit on display all up and down. Yeah. Um, Soda Popinski was, um, let's see, he was, when he first came out. Oh, yeah, he was, <laughs> did you know? Here, I'll tell you this, because this will have to be our last game, because my uh, my son upstairs is crying. I can hear yes, some hooting. Some yeah. crying is happening, and I don't, I, but uh, here's what I'll tell you. Apparently in uh, Super Punch-Out, he, um, which is uh, the arcade version of the game, um, he, he appeared as Vodka Drunkensky. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of what the dumbest name would be. I hope I hope you came close. <laughs> like, I think I would have gotten there if you'd given me another minute. Yeah, but we could, We weren't allowed to do. We weren't allowed to do that. He had to be, Mike, he had to be Soda Popkinski due to controversy. <laughs> Vod- Vodka Drunkensky. Vodka Drunkensky, yep. I see what you were going for there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, on the Mike on the Mike Tyson fandom wiki, it says Drunkensky made his second appearance in Mike Tyson's last name, <laughs> like he's a real boxer. You were tired with The Wall Street Journal writes about him. They have to call him Mister Drunkensky. <laughs> uh, that's what they call him on the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, thank you for being here. Thanks for remembering some games with me. 
Oh, this was good. Thanks for having of me. Of course. Man. And uh, before I rush off, uh, where can people find your work, do you think? I, you know, on Twitter mostly now and then wherever. Uh, just look for when I spam it, at David underscore J underscore Roth. And then, you know, usually when I write something, I, uh, you know, whatever, spam it shamelessly for like a day yeah. and a half. And then I stop. Good tweets there, too. Hey, thanks, yeah, man. I appreciate oh, of that. Of course, absolutely. Well, I will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. And thank you for giving me your blessing on this. This will be a fun series for me. And I will, of course, have you back very soon, I'm sure. Right on, man. I'll look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown